This message is a product of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. We thank you for engaging this conversation. Messages like this one are great resources to help us grow, but they cannot replace being a part of a local church. If you're not actively a part of a church, we encourage you to find one near you that fits you, visit it, and get involved. And we hope this message gives life to you today. Enjoy. So we are going to camp out today in uh, John chapter 10. So if you've got your Bibles or you have a Bible app on your phone, you can go ahead and kind of dial it into John chapter 10. While you're doing that, let me just ask you a question today. What's the primary difference between a believer and a non-believer? What, and, and by that, l- let me just kind of preface that by, by saying someone who's chosen to follow Jesus, confesses belief in Jesus, their life is responding to Jesus. What's the difference between that person and someone who does not believe and or follow Jesus? I, I would just kind of submit to you that the answer is pretty simple. It's that the person who's a follower of Jesus has a relationship, what we would even call a personal relationship with Jesus, that they are, are seeking the will of God in their lives. They're praying and they have communication because that's really the lifeblood of any relationship is communication. I mean, I think that one of the questions as we dive into this series that we just need to kind of kind of work through up front is the question of, does God still speak? Does God still speak? Because there is a theological persuasion, a camp of Christians that believe that God does not speak to us individually anymore, that God has spoken to us through his word, and that now the the personal voice of God that is available to us is is silent. There is a persuasion that feels that way, but I would just tell you that the reason we're doing this series is we don't believe that way. (laughs) Obviously, I mean, we're going to do a whole series for five weeks and talk about the voice of God. Then we believe wholeheartedly that you can hear the voice of God and that it's very important for us because no, ever, for how about this? The foundation for every healthy relationship is communication. There's no relationship that is sustained without communication. How many of y'all would love it if your husband came home and never talked to you? Right? You, you, maybe for like a day. All right. Maybe some of y'all are going, yeah, I wish. I wish I could just get it. But no, I mean like for not just for like, but that could never be a healthy relationship. Because relationships are always built on the foundation of communication. And so think about this. Shouldn't the voice of God help and and kind of translate into the way that we do life? It should. Think about what should be the difference between the way that that a believer and the way that a non-believer would make kind of decisions. Right? Just let's kind of think about it. in, in just practical ways that a, a believer probably is going to pray and seek God, but a, but a non-believer is probably just going to look at the facts, right? Just weigh it out, look at the facts, figure out what is the best decision. And, and, and I mean, many of you have done this before where you've interviewed for new jobs and you've looked at different opportunities. And, and, and a non-believer, kind of the, the generic way to process that decision is to look at all the opportunities that are on the table and say, this one has the most uh, benefits and the greatest salary and and it's got the most flexibility so i'm gonna go with this one 
But see, a, a believer is going to see God and say, God, which do you want for me? What is the right decision for me? God, what, what is your will in my life? Help me to see. Because God may understand that that best offer is coming from a company that God knows in 18 months is going to close their door in bankruptcy. And God might steer you away from what looks in the moment like it's the best. So I want to just kind of give you an idea uh, that, that's going to frame our talk today. And it's this. This is in your notes today. That hearing from God, hearing God is not what you do. It's who you are. Hearing God is not what you do. It is who you are. Let me just kind of expand that a little. Hearing God's voice and communicating with God is not so much about doing as it is about being. And so what we're going to do is we're going to camp out in a passage of Scripture in John chapter 10 where Jesus is speaking. All right, this is, if you're using an old King James Version, this is where there's all going to be red letters in this whole passage, okay? I mean, this is all Jesus speaking, and he's going to talk a lot about shepherds and sheep. And I just want to kind of just frame this for you before we get started, that when he talks about sheep, he is talking about us. So look at your neighbor real quick and say, I am a sheep. Now look back at them and say, that's what I smell. <laughs> All right, so let's get started. John chapter 10, verse 1. Jesus speaking, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate, the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. Notice that, that the sheep recognize his voice. I love that as Jesus is teaching, he, he clarifies some things for us. Notice that he doesn't say that the sheep will sense his presence. I love the fact that we can sense the presence of God. I think it's very important for us. But he says, no, they'll hear his voice and know his voice. He doesn't say that they'll have an impression of what they're supposed to do. No, they will hear his voice. And then what does he say? They will come to him. They will recognize his voice and come to him. I want you to notice this as we get into this, that there's a connection between hearing the voice of God and responding to the voice of God. Always this connection. And I think that there are many of us that are praying, God, speak to me, God, speak to me, God, speak to me. And God's going, hey, you asked me to speak to you about something else, and I've already talked to you about that, but you didn't respond. So why should I speak to you now? Because there's another matter that you've already brought up that I've spoken to you, but you're not responding to me in that. There's a connection between hearing the voice of God and responding to the voice of God. We even see this in this next verse where he says, he calls his sheep by name and he leads them out. I love this. I love this. Look at that. He calls his sheep by their name. You know, I've, I've sat before some of my friends when they finally got honest about how they felt about God and, and talking about their relationship with him. We're talking about things that were going on in their lives, and I've heard this more than once, and I know that there are some of you that are in the room that feel this way, where they said, you know what? I just, I just don't want to pray about that. 
because I, I know that I'm a fairly small being in this universe and, and God is so big and there seems to be such more important things for him to worry about. Why, why would I ever bring this problem up to him? Isn't it good to know that God knows you by name? That he knows who you are. He knows your, your struggles and your strengths. He, he knows the things that are going on in your life right now that you need help. And he, he sees you in the moments when you're being faithful and you're being the person that, that he's called you, that God knows you by name. Isn't that a great thing to know today? That we can have a personal, individual, intimate relationship with him. And what do they do? He calls them by name. Put that back up there. And he leads them out. Again, God speaks and the sheep respond. Continuing on verses 4 and 5. After he had gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them. And they follow because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They will run from him because they don't know his voice. Now pay attention to this real, clear, real clearly, okay? Look at, look at how this goes down. This is the inverse of the way that many of us want our relationship with God to go. A, a study, broad study that was done, and I've shared this before, by the University of Chapel Hill, their sociology department, studied the way that we view God in our culture. And they came back with this one simple statement, that we think God is a divine butler, that he's there to help us and do what we ask him to do. But I want you to notice in this passage, as Jesus is talking about us being sheep and him being the shepherd, where does the shepherd go? The shepherd goes out in front and leads the sheep. But many of us don't want our relationship with God to work that way. We want the shepherd to follow behind us. God, would you just follow behind me and, you know, whatever I decide to do today, God, would you just kind of support me and give me strength as I'm doing it? God, would you just follow behind me? And if I make a mess, God, would you clean it up? God, and if, if I just start, if I start getting weak, would you give me some strength? God, would you just follow? And, and whatever I do today, God, bless it. That's not the way this works, is it? Because he walks ahead. And they follow behind because they what? They know his voice. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. He says they won't follow a shepherd. or, or sh the, the sheep will not follow a stranger because they don't know their voice. And I, I think that we must just be honest that we live in a culture today that has a lot of voices. Y'all know that, right? There are a lot of people that want to influence you. A lot of voices that want to help you make decisions. All you have to do is turn on the TV and there's all kinds of voices that want to help you make decisions and tell you where it would be a great place to spend your money and go on a vacation, all that kind of thing, right? All that kind of stuff. And you have friends that love you. They might even be good people. But they want to influence your decisions. Maybe you have parents, and brothers and sisters, maybe some kids that are trying to influence your decision. But... Jesus in this moment says it's real clear. No, the, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice and they follow him. And I think it's easy to just kind of ask the question, well, who is, who is he talking? Is this really a, a story about our relationship with Jesus? And I think we see that in John 10 verse 11 where he says clearly, I am the good shepherd. 
the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. And I, I just, I just want to point this out that a lot of times when we look at that verse, we, we go, well, that, that is Jesus. He, he went to the cross to bear the weight of our sin. And that is true. He did. And if it wasn't for that, we could never have a relationship with God. He paid the price that we could never pay. But in Ephesians 5, when it talks about the way this mirror image of what our relationship with God is and what a marriage should look like, the Bible says to the husband, now lay your life down for your wife. In other words, your rights are no longer considered. It is all about you doing what is right for them. It's not self-seeking and self-serving. And I think that sometimes we get this image of God that if I give my life wholly and completely to him, all that's going to happen is I'm going to follow him and he is an arrogant, selfish God. Because all he does is want something from me and want to take stuff from me. But see, we see in that verse, no, that's not the truth of who he is. He is a God who has laid his life down for you. He is not looking for what he gets out of it. He doesn't need anything from you. Instead, he wants something for you. And he continues on where actually he's going to talk about us. And verse 16 where it says, I have other sheep too. Where are the other sheep? He's talking to a congregation at that point that was largely um, Jewish. And so he, they, they had this perception that, that we're the ones that are on the inside. Everybody else is on the outside. Look away. He says, I have other sheep too. They're not in this sheepfold. I must bring them also. All right, now he's talking about the Gentiles, the rest of the world being included through the work of the cross into the message of hope that is the gospel. They will listen to my voice and pay attention to this. There will be one flock with one shepherd. Now, I'm just going to stop for a second and talk about that. One flock with one shepherd. I'm, I'm, one of the things that I think is the most sad about our current state of affairs is that we as believers can be so unkind and ungracious to other people especially to other believers. I, I, I just want to make this clear to you, that especially politically, especially politically, there are people who are likely on the other side of issues who are Bible-believing, Jesus-loving, thoughtful Christians who think differently than you do. And you know what happens culturally? is it would find it so easy to say, I'm right, you're wrong, there's no way that you're a part of this. And that's shameful. And it shows to a world that is looking on us that, that there is no consensus of love even among ourselves. And we need to cut that stuff out because there is one flock with one shepherd and it's all about Jesus and he ends up with these words in verse 27 where he says, My sheep will listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So let me just ask you this. Do, do you want to follow Jesus? Yes? Yeah? A, lot of, a few of you in the back, maybe. All right. Are, are, are you going to respond to him when he speaks to you? Yes. All right. Then you're a sheep. <laughs> you're a sheep. It's just that simple. The title of the 
talk today. I am a sheep, and I'm going to give you three simple lessons that come out of this text that I think are going to help cultivate a more gracious and generous uh, communication between us and God. So I'm going to give you those, all right? Number one, in your notes today, that our ability to hear God's voice is innate. It is innate. It is something that is embedded into us. Like God made you. As a believer, in in John chapter 3, the Pharisee Nicodemus came to Jesus. Jesus, I've heard all this teaching. I want to be on the inside. I want to be a part of this. What must I do? And he told him this. He said, you must be born again, which blew Nicodemus' mind. We've heard that so many times. We're just like used to that. Nicodemus looked at Jesus and said, wait wait a minute. You want me to go back up inside my mom? (laughs) Really? I don't believe that's going to work, Jesus. I don't believe that's going to work. And Jesus said, no, you must be born of water, a natural birth, and then born of spirit, a rebirth spiritually. And in that, when you are reborn spiritually, God, as a believer, births you into the family and you become a child of God. Now, when we think about children, a lot of times we think about like they get to live in the house and they get all the privileges of a relationship. But can I just tell you, if you're ever around my kids, they look and act just like me. Some of us realize it and it gets annoying because we look at them and we're like, why well, can't you just stop being like me? This is so crazy. Little mini me, you got all my problems. How do I pass all that stuff off to you? My son got so much of that. We're going to talk about him through throughout this but there's and a lot of times we miss and we think about being a child of God and we think about I get to live with him forever I get all the the relational kind of connections that come with that I get access to all the the power and privilege that comes but no you are made in the image of God even in Genesis chapter 1, as the Bible describes the creation of everything, it kind of denotes a difference in your natural creation that you were fashioned in the image of God. The Latin is that you were made ex nihilo, out of nothing, into imago Dei, the image of God. And who is God? God is a communicator, isn't he? Read Genesis chapter 1. How did he make things? He didn't roll up his sleeves and get out tools. Instead, God spoke things into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light, and it was good. He spoke it. And God is a speaking and listening God, and you are a speaking and listening creature. And so what would we say to those that would say that a speaking and listening God who made a people who are speaking and listening people no longer speak? There's a Greek word for that. It's it's this word right here, baloney. In the the Greek, I would pronounce it balagna is really how I would pronounce it. I mean, think about that. Like God made you different, so different that out of all the created beings, we have the capacity to interact with him and communicate. And I know some of y'all are saying, yeah, but other animals communicate, don't they? Well, to some sense, right? You can go home and do a little test with your dog. Just when your dog comes up to him, just kind of look at him and go, you're so stupid. Yes, you are. You're so stupid. Look at you. 
Oh, you're stupid. You pooped and ate it, didn't you? You pooped and ate it, right? It's because I'm not just going to leave that alone. Right, but look what happens when you insult your dog with that voice. They start to wag their tail. They don't know because they can't communicate. You ever watch Discovery Channel? I watched Discovery Channel one time. And they were, I'm not a big Discovery Channel guy. Um, so there, there was a guy on there that was an expert in understanding the way that whales communicate. Okay? Which I'm not that expert. But this guy was. And he sits in a lab all day listening to recordings of whales. And they showed him. And he's sitting there listening. They played a recording for him. And it's a whale. And it's going, ooh, ooh. And they looked at him. They're like, what's he saying? And the guy goes, well, he's lonely. And I wanted to go, nobody, you're lonely. <laughs> you're but." <laughs> He's sitting in here all day long. Listen, go make some friends and talk to some friends. Because as a, as a created being by God, God embedded in you the ability to communicate. But number two, that ability to communicate with God must be learned. I mean, isn't this how we kind of work with kids? We, we have a baby, and my wife and I are expecting it's about 50 days from now. We're excited about our little boy getting here. And when he first gets here, he's going to kind of coo and sometimes he'll cry. But eventually he'll start speaking and using words and he'll learn how to communicate, right? I, I remember when I used to coach football, one of the things we did in the first portion of the season is that we would run drills with our, with our athletes where they would have to respond to our voice, not whistles, not cones, just voice. Because we wanted them to learn to hear in the midst of all the noise to hear our voice. Because in the middle of a game, there are so many other voices. You have to learn how to tune in to God's voice. So look in Luke chapter 11, what one of Jesus' disciples says. Look at this. One of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us. To pray. Now, this is a disciple who had been with him, had traveled with him, had seen miracles, had heard him, he had heard him teach and speak and, and had seen so much, but here he is saying, God, teach us to pray. Teach us to communicate with you, to talk to you. And isn't that really what we want? To learn how to hear the voice of God and to talk to God. And I think that so many of us, when it comes to prayer, our, our prayer lives are a lot of that, like just giving God a list of things that you want him to do for you. And we get permission to do that. As a matter of fact, Philippians 4 verse 6 says, pray about everything, tell God what you need. It is quite okay. And there are some of us that are eventually going to face things that are way bigger than us trials that are insurmountable that the only way we get through it is if God moves and in them, those moments we, we learn what it really means to petition the Lord but see that's not all that prayer is how many of y'all would like it if, if every day your, your spouse came home and just gave you a list of stuff that they wanted you to do and then they walked away that wouldn't be a very good relationship, would it? Then there must be communication. As a matter of fact, we, we need to pray. 
We, we even need to be willing to tell God, God, we need you to do this because we're incapable, but we also need to stop and listen. Prayer's listening to God and tuning into his voice. And when we finally do that, when we finally, after we've told him what we think we need, we finally stop and we say, God, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to trust you, then I think that we can follow up that verse out of Philippians 4 and not just end where we just tell him, but we go to verse 7 where it says, then you will experience God's peace. Then you will. When you finally stop to listen and trust him and stop telling him just what you need, then you will experience God's peace. So it's innate, it's learned, and number three, it is matured. It is matured. It doesn't matter what you're gifted in, you must learn to grow and be kind of fully developed in what you are capable of. We see this with our kids. You ever notice that? That sometimes when our kids are growing up, they think they know how to say a word, but they don't. My, my son, he, the, a few weeks ago, decided that he, he now likes shrimp. Our, our family is not a big seafood family because my wife is allergic to them, but he likes shrimp, but he can't say shrimp. Instead, he says the word tramps, which doesn't sound the same, y'all. And so he came into the room and goes, Dad, I like tramps. Whoa, you do, huh? My wife's there, and he goes, Dad, do you like tramps too? I'm like, I'm not getting in this conversation. I'm not getting in this. See, we must grow and develop because early on in our communication, we are not as mature as we can be as that skill is developed. I think that that's what 2 Peter 3.18 is saying when it says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We must grow. We must grow. We're not there. I don't care if you've been living for God for 20 years or you've just two minutes ago made that decision. We must grow. We see this reflected in the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 13, 11. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. That there should be a maturation in the way that we communicate. I mean, have you ever been with your kids, and they said something that they shouldn't say. You know, like asking grandma how old she is, right? We don't ask grandma that. A few few days ago, my son came up to me and goes, Dad, smile. So I smiled, and he goes, your teeth are yellow and crooked. And then he walked away. Like, like this, like that's, you shouldn't say that to anybody, much less me. It hurt my feelings. I'm sad now. See, I think that there's sometimes that we get to a point where we, we actually think that we've heard from the Lord, and we haven't. And so I'm going to quote Dallas Willard, who is a great theologian who died just a few years ago uh, from a book that he wrote called Hearing God, uh, three ways that we miss hearing from God in an immature perspective. The first one is what he called, and these are all his language, uh, he called it a message a minute. This is the, the guy that you go out to, to lunch with him, and he goes, all right, I'm, I'm going to pray and see if the Lord wants me to put salt on my food today. All right, let's bow our heads. Right? What? Why do you, you got to pray? No, the Lord doesn't want me to put salt. How do you, maybe that was just like an article you read like three days ago that told you that that wasn't healthy. As a matter of fact, I think that there are some of us that 
in an immature way, we think that God needs to speak to us about everything, 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 everything. But imagine if you were raising a kid and they got to be about 18 or 19 or 20. Would you want them every day to come ask you, how should I brush my teeth? What do I do with the towel after? What, what do you want? Do you want that? No, you don't. Because as they grow and mature, they learn how to do things. And we want to rest in the words of God. We want to seek the voice of God. But I've made it a thing that I, I tell God, God, I don't want you to have to tell me the same thing twice. Won't we say that to our kids? I don't want to have to tell you the same thing twice, right? But I tell God sincerely, God, I don't want you to have to tell me the same thing twice. If I learn a lesson, I don't want to have to relearn it. If you speak to me about something, I don't want to get in a position where I need you to speak to me about that again. If you speak to me, I want to take it and I want to make it a part of me and I want to live in it. The second way that we get immature in hearing from God is what he called the point and hope. Point and hope. Y'all have all done this. All right, you laugh at yourself with this one. This is where we take the Bible and we flip it open and we point and we hope that God's going to speak to us from the verse that we're pointing at. (laughs) I love, I love it. There was a, a business friend of mine that, that was praying. His cash flow was going down, and there were some needs that were coming up in his business. And he opened his Bible, and he said he pointed down, and he was praying, God, speak to me. And he opened his eyes, and his finger was standing right on side of chapter 13, which is bankruptcy. If you, that's not God speaking to you, buddy. That's not God speaking to you. I love, Dallas Willard in his book, he, he said that one time he went to a seminar and there was a guy speaking about finding your life verse, you know, the verse that God's your whole life. And, and he said, you know, he basically said, just take your, your year and, and take the first two numbers in the, the year that you were born and the last two numbers and find a verse in all the Bible that would kind of go with those two and then you can find your life verse. And he said, well, I was born in 1935, so I opened up my Bible and went to Genesis 19, verse 35, where the Bible says they got drunk and slept with him. <laughs> he was like, I don't think that's a good life verse for me. Point hope does not work, Okay. It does not work. And number three is what I would call the whatever. Whatever. And this is where we actually make the mistake of saying, well, whatever I decide to do is exactly what God would want me to do. And this is unfortunate because I think that this is where far too many of us end up. Because we start making excuses and exemptions and we start putting ourselves into different categories and we start taking away the voice of God and we start elevating our voice. Whatever I decide to do, that's got to be what God would want me to do. But see, this is not just about helping you make better decisions. As a matter of fact, look at this verse. I want you to leave this verse up there for a while. The Bible says in John 6, Jesus speaking, the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. I want you to see this. That what Jesus is saying is, look, when I speak, my words are life to you. In the absence of my words can only be described not as life, but as death. In the presence of situations that are difficult and trials that you're going to go through, the one thing that will bring life to you is my word. It's my word. 
See, this is not a matter of wisdom or good guidance. This is a matter of life and death. I want to share a moment where uh, God spoke to me and spoke through me to somebody else. One morning I was sitting in my office and I was praying for our children's pastor. Now, she has a crazy family. I love her family, okay? And she's that mom that can just deal with all kinds of chaos. She just does such a good job with that. And I remember thinking as I was praying for them, God, maybe what you want to do is give them another baby. And I got this vision of it. And so I sent her this text message. Look at it. When are you going to have tool number four? And she said, you just about made me choke. (laughs) Which I found out later she really did choke. She was in a meeting and eating. When she read it, she choked. And I was like, ah, seriously. And then her husband, he didn't get snipped. I'm not going to explain what that means. All right. So it's still possible. And she goes, no, tell him he should. And I said, I'm going to start praying for number four. To which she responded with several messages that I needed to black out. But they were just small, um, small messages. We're just going to say that they were like, praise him. Thank God. Okay. (laughs) We'll just assume that that's what they were. She said that starting at that moment, for the next few months, God would bring that up to her over and over and over again. And she was really opposed initially to having another child. And that all of a sudden, she would think about it and go, well, if it happened, it wouldn't be that bad. If it happened again, you know, I mean... Maybe, probably not as bad as, I, as I'm thinking. And then about six months later, in a surprise moment, she did the test, and it was positive, no planning, no preparation, actually methods to prevent, and she was pregnant. And she said, you know, I was, had that crazy mind. I just, you know, what, what's happening? This is amazing. This is crazy. And she said, it went back almost immediately to that text message. And I knew that this was God. I knew it. See, I want you to understand that God's word to you and through you is a matter of life and death. It'll bring life to the people that are in your lives, to the circumstances that you're going through, but it'll also in its absence provoke death. And so we need to seek the word of God. Let's pray. Thanks for listening. This podcast has been a production of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information on our church, we encourage you to visit us online at vortexchurch.com.